welcome to one of the most exciting months of the year. Because I'm going to, for the, for the next three weeks, I'm going to be bringing a series of messages uh, around the vision and the direction uh, of our church. And to do this, we're going to be looking at three different perspectives. We're going to look at the there, the here, and the where. So the past, the present, and the future. So <clears throat> this week, we're going to be digging into the there. Now, I, I, I say this every year when I do a vision message, and I, I want to speak to, for all of you who are visiting with us, or you're here for the first time, both on-site on and online, thank you for joining us. Um, if, if Elam is not your home and you're, you're just a visitor, then I don't want you to feel like you're, you're being left out or overlooked with these messages. Or maybe, perhaps, you're here for first or second time and you're just going, God, where am I supposed to be planted? Well, maybe these next three weeks are going to answer a bunch of, bunch of questions for you, which I think will be great. But if you're just visiting this morning and, and Elam Christian Centre Blenheim is not your, your home church, it doesn't matter. Because actually, you know what? Vision is, vision is God. And so maybe something I'm going to say today uh, or over the next three weeks, you'll be able to take home to your own home church um, or even just implement it in your own life. So it doesn't matter whether you're on-site or online, if you're Elam Fano or you're visiting or you're just trying to figure it all out, you're welcome. And this is for you. So uh, it's just um, a real privilege and a real honour to be able to bring this. Um, now, my notes are exceptionally full, and if I used every part of them, we'd probably be here till lunchtime, which would mean we'd skip the second service. So um, out, on the, out on the resource table in the foyer, there are copies of my notes, because there's a lot of, quite a bit of history of Elam in those notes. Please feel free. I can always run off a whole bunch more copies. Um, so grab them on the way out. But before we go anywhere else, I think we need to just pray again. Eh? Let's just make this a, another altar moment before God. Father, we thank you. We love you. We lean into you this morning. Your word is very clear that you have got plans for us. Your word says that you knew the days of our lives and they were written in your book before we were even born. Uh, Lord, there's a whole lot of things that just absolutely declare vision, purpose, destiny, future, journey. Lord, I'm asking that Holy Spirit, you are here, you're present. I pray that you wouldn't simply be present, but we would know your presence. And that you would take specifics for specific people and you would plant it in our hearts. But you would also take the collective and plant it collectively in our hearts. Holy Spirit, I ask that if I may, may copy the Apostle Paul, I, I don't want to speak with fancy words. I just want to bring what you have for us. And you, by the very power of heaven that you are, would you... Plant in Jesus' name. Amen. So very quickly, let's just, let's just deal with the question, why vision? Why do, why do churches have vision Sundays or a vision month? Why vision? Um, why is it important for vision and direction? Well, there's a very famous scripture in the Bible in Proverbs 29, verse 18. This is from the New King James Version. It says this, Where there is no revelation or vision, the people cast off restraint. Another translation says, People without a vision perish. Then it goes on to say, but happy is he who keeps the law. I want to show you that same verse out of the message translation because I absolutely love it. And this is what it says. If people can't see what God is doing, they stumble all over themselves. 
But when they attend to what he reveals, they are most blessed. Who wants to live a most blessed life? Good. I'm in great company. Now, the next analogy I have used before, it's a little bit amusing, but it's actually quite, a, quite accurate. So we're going to be having a look at Alice and the Cheshire Cat out of the, through the looking glass. And this is the conversation, Alice to the Cheshire Cat. Would you please tell me which way I ought to go from here? Cat replies, that depends on where you want to get. Alice goes, I don't actually care much where. So the cat says, well, it doesn't really matter, does it? Or words to that effect. It doesn't matter which way you go. Zig Ziglar is a very famous, or was a very famous, he's passed away now in 2012, was a very, very famous uh, author, uh, sales executive, motivational speaker, and a passionate Christian. And one of his famous quotes is this, if you aim at nothing, you will hit it every time. I think it was Henry Ford who, who said something along the lines of, if you think you can't, you're right. <laughs> something along those lines. Vision is absolutely important and vision is at the heart of God. Right at the get-go, he said, let there be. And he gave us a mandate. He gave us like, the very first command from God to his creation. Mankind was go and multiply. We've got a purpose. You know what? As I've meditated before God and I'm loving it, each, each successive year of being in ministry, it's like God plants the next year in my heart almost a month earlier every year. So what I'm going to be sharing with you, God's been downloading into my spirit since October last year. So I'm kind of, uh, yeah, pumped. Thank you, Celia. I'm kind of ready to blow. So I've got to try and hold myself together for three weeks. <laughs> but as I, as I meditated, 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 I became further convinced of something that God showed me some 10 plus years ago. And it solidified an incredibly strong sense of expectation in my heart. So we're going to just look at those real quick. I'm convinced that God wants us to be a church that is significant in three areas or three ways. The first one is significant in impact through imparting into our community. If we're not here to bring the life, hope and purpose of Jesus into our world, then let's just go have a picnic. We've got a purpose. The second level of significance is a significant and numerical size. I'm going to touch on that in a minute. The third level of significance is significant and longevity. If there's anything that the world is looking for, it is something that is stable, unchanging, and true. We are not a church that blew in, blew up, and blew out. And I'm going to touch on that in a little bit in a minute as well. But I believe every community needs a church of longevity filled with the power of God. We are here to stay, people. We are, well, here to stay until Jesus returns. And then you know what? I ain't staying. <laughs> I'm convinced that we have a calling, a mission, and we are commissioned by God, both as individuals and as a collective group. And we must believe that. I mean, right there, if you're not convinced that God's got a mission for you, a purpose for you, that there's a calling for your life, then right there, you need to write it down. God, what is it? I'm not going to let you go until I find out. That's your first homework. See, significance can only happen when we know that and then when we are connected. Because every person has a place. Every person has a purpose. And in Elam, one of our 
key DNA things is that every person is a minister. Not every person's a pastor, but every person is a minister. And I'm going to touch on that over the next couple of weeks. Part of our journey is discovering that place. Part of our journey is discovering that purpose. Perhaps, just in a little bit of transparency, one of the greatest burdens that a senior pastor can have is the health and the growth of their church. And one of the clearest and the most measurable methods of assessing that is in numbers and stats. Like I said, I'm convinced that God has a calling on this place that requires us to be a church of a significant number so that we can both impact and impart into our community the life, hope, and purpose of Jesus. I find it fascinating that one of the greatest points of contention in today's church is it's, oh, it's just all about numbers. Well, guess what? God loves numbers. He's got a whole book named that. (laughs) It's in the Old Testament. I'm not lying. It's in the book. It's in the book. But you know what? Before you get all bent and twisted, well, I hope you don't get all bent and twisted this morning when you, oh, the pastor's talking about numbers. Here we go. Guess what? Every single one of you live your life based on numbers. Every single one of you. You go into the supermarket and go, is it going to cost too much or too little? You are going to move to a new town or a city and you go, is it too big or is it too small? You look at where your children are going to go to school and you look at the numbers in the school. You look at a club and you go, is it a successful club? It's a big one. It must be successful. Or it's a big one. It's obviously arrogant and too successful. I'm not going to go to that club. Everything is based on numbers. And guess what? So is church. God was interested in numbers. The first command, go forth and? You know, one of the key reasons I'm going to spend a whole month doing vision for the church in this month of February is actually based on numbers. Not the book. <laughs> See, numerical statistics, yeah, that would take too long. That would take, that, Jesus would return before I got through that book. Numerical statistics indicate that any place of gathering where there's people, not just church, but okay, I'm specifically talking about church today, okay? Wherever there is a church, for that church to continue and maintain its numerical size, that church must grow by 10% every year. And that's just purely because of natural attrition. People come, people go, transferred with work, or things change, circumstances change in their lives. And we are a mobile people. So every year, at least 10% of a church moves somewhere for some reason. So if we fast forward that, that means every 10 years... We literally have a brand new church. Well, almost. I know there's some people who just, this is where we're supposed to be. And I am so grateful for you. (laughs) So at that 10-year point, for the church as a collective to be able to move forward collectively, then the church either needs to reinvent itself or the vision needs to be represented. And so why am I doing this now? Well, We are, as a church, about to start our third 10 with Suzanne and myself in the senior leadership of this church. And so thinking about that and thinking about just this beautiful, glorious array of humanity in front of me, there are many of you who have come to our church over the last three years, let alone over the last 10. And so this morning, 
like I said, I'm going to present, well, over the next three weeks, I'm going to present the there, the here, and the where. I'm convinced that the life of a thriving church is like a gearbox. We become intermeshed, and one gear begins to turn, which then turns another, which then turns another. And if one gear is struggling, then the combined strength and the momentum of all of the other gears help in the movement. It's through the collective effort of intermeshed gears that we gain momentum. We have positive direction. And again, because of that collective momentum, we are really, really effective in our impact and impartation into our community. See, in Ephesians chapter 4, verse 16, it says this. Under his direction, the whole body is fitted together perfectly. Any Indian nuts in the house? Got to love a gearbox that moves without grinding. Amen. Each part does its own special work. It helps the other parts grow so that the whole body is healthy and growing and full of love. Just read the book of Romans if you want to dig into that a little bit more. The vision and the mission of this church is to bring the life, hope, and purpose of Jesus into our world. And we need to do that collectively because represented in this room, there are so many different worlds. You know, the church, yes, the church is about people. The church is the people. It's not the building. The church is the people. And we are God's people. And so we are both spiritual and practical. We live with an an eternal mindset whilst we operate with an earthly mission. Anybody, anybody Blues Brothers fans? The movie Blues Brothers? We are on a mission for God. Where's, hey? <laughs> Where's Leroy in? Yeah. Oh, we are on a mission for God. We got an eternal mindset with an earthly mission. As we believe and step into the Word of God over our lives and we become even more established in our calling, we build and we strengthen each other, as Ephesians 4 says. So the whole body is healthy. The whole body is growing. And the whole body is full of love. And we can bless our community. In turn, by blessing our community, it draws others to God. One of the most amazing verses in the Bible, and I can't remember the reference someone might be able to, but it says, So let your light shine before men, they will see your good works, and give God in heaven glory. This then, in turn, establishes the kingdom of God. It establishes His house as He intends. And that word established, we can, re- we can replace that word and we can use the word build because that is the word that God gave me for 2022. Every year I ask Him, God, what's the word? What's the word? Give me a word. Give me something I can chew on all year. What is this word that I can gnaw at and get all the juice out of? And the word that He gave me for 2022 is build. I really do hope that this series of messages encourages you. However, I am also in transparency. I am also, my notes say prying. No, I'm not prying. I'm praying. (laughs) Praying that that it's going to stir you. That it may even provoke you. And in transparency, I'm hoping it will challenge you. Because I am convinced of this. Ephesians 2 verse 10. 
from the New King James says, We are His workmanship created in Christ Jesus. For good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. I want to give this verse to you out of the message translation. It says this, God does both the making and the saving. He creates each of us by Christ Jesus to join Him in the work He does. The good work He has gotten ready for us to do, work we had better be doing. You know what? When I've shared vision messages over the years, I've had people come up to me and talk to me about what I've shared. And it's been a fascinating conversation because they speak to me in the first person, but their tone is in the third person. Let me explain what I'm saying right there. It means they come up to me and this is essentially what they say. We know we should do it and it would be great if someone else did. You know what? Christianity is not for lazy people. It is not for lazy people. When Jesus spoke to the disciples, he didn't offer them a suggestion. He gave them a command and then let them choose whether they would obey it or not. He walked past two brothers sitting on a fishing boat and said, follow me. What did they do? You read the scriptures. He said, immediately they dropped everything and followed him. A little bit further down the beach, he sees another two brothers. Follow me. Immediately they left their father and all their fishing gear and followed him. Walked past a tax collector who was sitting in little piles of money, hated by everybody, despised by the Jews. Follow me. He walked away from that tax collecting booth and followed Jesus. Will we? My prayer is that each and every one of you will hear that call. Not from me, but from Jesus. So I want to give you four verses, four Bible verses that are essentially the foundation for this whole series of build. The first one is Colossians chapter 2, verse 7. Let your roots grow down into Him. And let your lives be built on him. Then your faith will grow strong and in truth, in the truth you were taught, and you will overflow with thankfulness. That word then says we've got some work to do. And the work is prior to the then. Let your roots grow down into him and let your lives be built on him. We've got some building to do. 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 11 is the next verse. So encourage each other and build each other up, just as you are already doing. There's the gearbox. Encourage each other and build each other up. We're in this together. 1 Corinthians 3, verse 9. For we are both God's workers, and you are God's field, and you are God's building. God's got some building to do in each and every one of us. So what do we do with those three verses? We come to our fourth verse for the foundation of this series. 1 Peter 2 verse 5 from the message translation says this. Present yourselves as building stones for the construction of a sanctuary vibrant with life. Vibrant with. 
I just think I wish I had a slab of Red Bull in my office right now. I would give every one of you a Red Bull. Okay, I, okay, I get it. I've been soaking in this for a while. I get it. You're hearing it for the first time. But it goes on to say, in which you'll serve as holy priests offering Christ approved lives up to God. Again, we've got a purpose. You've got a calling. You've got a reason to be here. You'll notice that in the graphic and all in the, and also all through it, all my slides, in the graphic, if, the next slide, if you could put that up, please, Scotty, that you'll see that there's a, it's, it's an iceberg, but the bottom of it is diamond. There is so much of who we are and what we do that goes unseen, that makes this place what it is. And the statistics of an iceberg is that what you see is only 10%. The other 90% of the iceberg is actually underwater. And so I want to tell you right now, I just, and from Suzanne and I, this church, there is so much that happens that is not seen by the whole church. But on behalf of both of us, thank you. You are invaluable diamond. You are diamond without value. Ephesians chapter 2, verses 20 to 21 says this, Together we are his house. Together, key word. Together we are his house, built on the foundation of the apostles and their prophets. And the cornerstone is Christ Jesus himself. We are carefully joined together, built in him, becoming a holy temple. God ain't done with us yet. I love that. Because that there confirms where it says in Galatians that he who began a good work in you will be faithful to complete it even right up until the day Jesus returns. Oh, I kind of I feel like I need to be a little Georgian or Texan with that. Hallelujah. <laughs> yeah, come on, y'all. Get alive. I need that stock pump again that I used a few years back. <laughs> oh, okay, so that was just the introduction. Better hurry up. So we're going to have a look at the there. In many cultures, there is a saying that to, to know where you're going, you need to look where you've been. When you row a rowboat, it's very rare that you actually row it facing the direction you're going. That's why in the eights and the fours, they need the, the coxswain. You've heard me use these three, three words in our vision and mission statement, life, hope, and purpose, over and over and over again. But I actually want to take you to the background of those this morning. Those three words are not just fancy words in our vision statement and our mission. Those three words are the values, the not negotiables in the heart of this house. These words were solidified over a number of years into these three words with the eldership. And, and, it's like, and, and they've remained our value words for over 10 years now. The first word, life, the core of that is that every person is given life from God. We will value, as a church, we will value life from conception to the grave. We will operate in a manner that encourages and enhances life to see people given the opportunity to live life as Christ intended. John 10, 10b, life and that more abundantly. Vibrant with life, the scripture said earlier on. That's, where the, that's the background of the word life. Hope, the value. Hope. Whoops, where did I go? Where did it go? Where did it go? I touched the wrong part of the screen. 
Here we go. Our hope is in Jesus Christ. Full stop. Our hope is in Jesus Christ. In all things, we will lead, serve, and influence. We will impact and we will impart based on this hope. 1 Peter 1.3, He has given us a new birth into a living hope. A living hope through Jesus Christ, the resurrection of Jesus Christ. So that's life, that's hope. And here's purpose. We were created by God on purpose for a purpose. Guided by the Holy Spirit, we will endeavor to see people released to function in and fulfill their God-given purpose. I've already given you the scripture, Ephesians 2.10. God created us in Christ Jesus for good works. We operate out of these values because actually, you know what? These values virtually are the values at the very core and the very foundation and the birth of the Elam Church right from the very beginning. So I'm going to take you a little further back now. Elam is a movement of Pentecostal churches working in over 40 countries around the world. And the very founders of the Elam movement back in 1915, they wanted the movement to express the vision and values of what they were. And so they chose the name Elam. Elam is the name of the second spring, or the, the first oasis, but the second set of springs that the Israelites came to on their release or their exodus from Egypt. The first spring was Mara. It was bitter. God healed those waters. And then the scripture said, and then they came to Elam. Twelve springs, 70 date palms. They, came, they were led there by God as they wandered through the desert, and it provided shade, refreshment, nourishment, healing. And we want all who come to Elam to encounter that. And the very founders of the Elam movement wanted that. In a world that felt like a desert, it feels like a desert, our churches seek to be a center of hope. If there is a catch cry for Elam churches around the world, is we want to be a center of hope. For, for within and for our communities. In 1915, it was hardly a promising year. The world was in the height of the First World War and everybody was living in fear. And in Monaghan, in Ireland, a new fellowship of Christians was springing up. A young man from Wales, the south of Wales, from Maesteg in the south of Wales, had encountered God and he had put together a band called the Elam Evangelistic Band. And they preached and they planted churches and they, they, they literally carried the life, hope and purpose of Jesus from village to town to village to town to city. And they would go in and then they would plant a church and then they would move on. This young Christian, his name is George Jeffries, was welcomed into the area. The band preached. They founded churches throughout the north of Ireland and then they moved on to England. Things were moving steadily but not spectacularly when suddenly, which is very much a pattern of God, suddenly, steadily, steadily, suddenly, suddenly God answered their prayers. And in one meeting they saw two people miraculously healed of cancer. And following that, miraculous healings became commonplace instead of occasional, and the number of people becoming Christians exploded. So why did this happen? Well, the Elam leaders held the same belief as other Christians, but with one important difference. If you have a look at our four Elam DNA statements, the first one says, 
that we invite people. The second one says we, invite, we welcome as family. The third one says that we are relevant as a church. But the fourth one, the fourth one says we expect breakthrough. The one difference in that time in 1915 was that they believed God's promises in the Bible about the Holy Spirit and the healing that was available to Christians today. In other words, miracles didn't stop when the last full stop was written into the Bible. Because the Bible was finished being written, it didn't mean the miracles stopped. Those Elam pioneers rediscovered God's power, the promises of God in the Bible, for all who would completely commit their lives to follow Jesus. There is a power that is available through the Holy Spirit, and God confirms that with signs and wonders following. They based the church on what they called the four-square teaching. The four-square teaching highlighted this rediscovery for these young men and women. And it stated this, that Jesus is the Savior, that Jesus is the healer, that He is the baptizer in the Holy Spirit, and He is the coming King. Such Pentecostal beliefs raised a lot of opposition back in the day. But they pursued it. This vision isn't confined to one country today. This vision now compromises of 37 Elam churches in New Zealand who are linked internationally to four, just, uh, something like over, just over 4,500 Elam churches around the world. Elam is also cooperatively in fellowship and mission with thousands of other Pentecostal churches around the world, and they are involved in mission works in over 40 countries around the world, bringing the life, hope, and purpose of Jesus into that world. To bring this back here to home, in truth, our mission is very simple. Simple, simple, simple. <laughs> to love God and obey the calling. And what is that calling? Because it doesn't matter whether we're in, on earth or in heaven, we are still going to love God. But what is our earthly mission? We live with an eternal mindset, with an earthly mission. What is that earthly mission? Our earthly mission is to see lost souls saved. And to see those believers become discipled. And then to see those disciples activated. Start again. The activated disciples will see lost souls saved. And then they will see the new believers discipled. And then those disciples activated. And then we start again. And we go out in a bigger number. And we see lost souls saved. We see saved souls discipled. And then we see, we see disciples activated. And in that activation, we see the power of God, the moving of the Holy Spirit, the promises that are written in the Word of God for today. God confirming His words with signs and wonders following. We believe and want to see, as the early pioneers of Elam did, people build faith, build a faith that isn't just strong enough to survive today's culture, but that it is strong enough, secure enough, and bold enough through the Holy Spirit to transform today's culture. The purpose of God that led to the pioneering of the Elam movement actually started not in 1915, but in 1904 in what is called the Welsh Revival. 
The power of God hit that nation of Wales so magnificently that pubs closed, jails emptied, factories shut down. The the owners and the managers of factories shut them down until the entire staff got their lives right before God. And they would not operate again until people got their lives right before God. Courthouses closed their doors because of a move of God. And in that 1904 Welsh revival, that young man, George Jeffries, met Jesus. Some 11 years later, he planted with a group and pioneered the Elam Church in Monaghan, Ireland. Fast forward from 1915 to 1922, and a well-known evangelist by the name of Smith Wigglesworth came to New Zealand, into Wellington, and he tipped Wellington on its ear by the power of the Holy Spirit. And they were holding healing meetings and revival meetings in the town hall. You can see the town hall right there in the middle. In actual fact, it wasn't that long ago they were doing some renovations on one of the theatres in Wellington. I can't remember which one, but they cracked open the stage and under the stage they found canes, crutches, wheelchairs, stretchers, all left there as a result of these meetings. Out of that 1922 healing revival meeting in Wellington, fast forward a few more years, or the Pentecostal Church of New Zealand was birthed, fast forward into the late 1940s, and the Pentecostal Church of New Zealand was just a little bit in disarray. They were a little bit structureless, and they went, we need to fix this. They contacted Elam UK, and Pastor Gilbert Dunk came to New Zealand, and in 1952, The first Elam Pentecostal Church of New Zealand was planted in Wellington. And it's pumping today. In actual fact, guess what? This week, you know how I said God gave me the word build? This week, Pastor Boyd Ratnaraja, our national leader, is starting a series in Wellington Elam today called Build. Oh, I love it when we listen to the same Holy Spirit. Fast forward two years from 1952, the second Elam church was planted or established in New Zealand. And this is that church. This is that church. Then it went Christchurch, Nelson, Hamilton. If Elam is your home, then you need to understand something this morning. I'm going to wrap this up. That this home was birthed out of the miracle-working, life-giving, hope-filled, purpose-releasing power of the living God through the moving of the Holy Spirit. That is the foundation upon this, which this church was built. And the building ain't over yet. Because Jesus is the Savior. Jesus is the healer, the baptizer in the Holy Spirit. And he is the coming 